Blog Talk Radio. Man, it was real cool in school if we got good grades. I straight up A's. The parents would take us to a 76 game. I got my game and there ain't no shame. Big shots of Mo Cheeks and Moses Malone. Julius Serva called Philly is home. Bobby Jones, Daryl Dawkins, and Tony Sinkin' Freeze. Rocky Bobo will come from South Philly. But if you want to make it on time to the show, there's only one road that you really have to know. So get to Fishtown without all that job. I suggest that you drive on I-95. Want to get downtown but feeling in the fix. Get on that road they call 676, the most expensive, expensive piece of business they've ever made. The fellas ain't famous, but they got the game. Welcome to the 76ers Report with your hosts, Jeff McMiniman and Michael Kasky blomaine So we're a few weeks into the season here, Mike, and, you know, already there's much to talk about. Uh, some strong play to start the year from, you know, rookies Jalil Okafor and TJ McConnell. We'll get into that in a bit. Some more injury news to report, and uh, we'll get to that in a bit as well. And yet another rough start to the season here. As always, you can follow us on the app Stitcher and make sure to follow us on Twitter at 76ers Report. So, Mike, you know, not the start we wanted here, but also something, you know, we didn't really, uh, you know, wasn't out of the question to start this way, 0-7. And uh, we got the Raptors on, on tap tonight. They've hit 17 straight losses now going back to last season. A uh, loss tonight would make them just the third team in NBA history to start a season 0-8 for back-to-back seasons. And, you know, it's not looking good for them tonight. Uh, do you pay any attention to the record anymore? Or, uh, you know, does this even bother you at this point? You know, I think we've learned to kind of tune out the, you know, win-loss record at this point uh, over the past couple of years when we kind of knew what we were getting into with the rebuild. Um, you know, obviously the the overall victory, like win-loss record, wasn't the focal point of the past few seasons, whereas, you know, player development, acquiring assets was, um, you know, obviously more important to the organization. Uh, you know, I did expect them to win uh, by now, though. I, you know, I didn't expect them to start 0-7. I thought with, you know, the development and addition of talent coming into the season, they'd be, you know, a little bit more competitive in a couple of the games and would have, you know, at least taking home a couple wins by now, uh, you know, not that it matters in the scheme of things, especially considering the injuries that, uh, you know, they've been battling with. They really haven't had any anywhere close to their full, uh, you know, their full arsenal out there on the floor yet. So it's it's kind of tough to even judge the team, you know, until Covington gets out there and we get uh, Tony Roten and Kendall Marshall back out there and really see how, you know, the depth, um, you know, the depth looks and everything. But with that being said, you know, it's definitely not, as important to me as the development and seeing how, you know, how good Noel looks and how potentially dominant Okafor could be. That's still the the main importance, but uh, a little surprising that they haven't won one yet. Yeah. And it's not going to get any easier moving forward. You know, after the Raptors, they've got the Thunder, Spurs, Mavs, Pacers, Hornets, and Heat. Uh, do you see this losing ending anytime soon here? Uh, no, that's funny. I was just uh, going down the schedule too myself, and I was I was 
going to say, there's really no relief coming up. I mean, maybe, maybe possibly the Mavericks next Monday, uh, you know, they, they've had their uh, lumps to start off the season and then going down. I mean, even, even teams you would, you know, your inclination would be maybe they have a shot, but you know, the Hornets have been playing well. They got, uh, you know, pulled off three wins over the West recently. The Timberwolves have been really surprising with, uh, you know, Wiggins has obviously been playing great and Carl Anthony Towns, you know, maybe all the way down till uh, December 1st, they play the Lakers, uh, which, uh, you know, could be Kobe's last game in, in Philly. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. that might be their, their best shot at this point, you know, just straightforward looking at the schedule. That's not to say that, you know, they couldn't put together a good effort for four quarters and pull off an upset against, uh, you know, any of these teams. But at this point, it's already, you know, it seems like they're not really going to be a favorite in any game, uh, you know, probably for the remainder of the season, it's, as it's kind of been for the past couple of years. So, yeah, I mean, it's tough it's tough to pick out one game where you can be really like, Oh yeah, I think they'll win this one. Especially as you mentioned with, uh, <laughs> you know, Thunder, Spurs, Heat, Rockets, Grizzlies, Celtics, you know, some good teams coming up. So, it's, you know, it's definitely going to be interesting uh, to see when, when they'll pick up that first win. Hopefully it doesn't start off quite as bad as it did last year when they were uh 0 17, but uh, you know, it's definitely going to be not, not too much better. It doesn't look like. Yeah, hopefully they can win one, you know, without breaking that 0-18 record. But <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, and, you know, out, outside of the, the record standpoint, you know, the team has played fairly well, uh, especially with Jalil Okafor. Um, You know, he's looked every bit as advertised offensively, averaging 19.9 points, 6.9 rebounds, and 1.3 blocks per game. You know, he's coming off of a monster 21.15 rebound performance against the Bulls, and he seems to be kind of limiting his turnovers since those first couple games there. And, you know, Mike, what have you liked so far from Jalil uh, just in terms of, you know, the mark he's made so far? Yeah, he's uh, honestly been even better, you know, I think than people thought he was going to be you know, very early, starting off with his first game when he came out and dropped 26. Uh, you know, he's just a natural scorer, and it translates to the NBA already and, you know, quicker than I thought personally. Uh, you know, his his footwork and his just IQ and his touch around the rim, it's just it, – he's already taken – you know, basically dominated a lot of established big guys throughout the league uh, that just weren't able to guard him one-on-one. You know, I think he, he's been double-teamed, I think, at every single game so far this season at one point or another, which is honestly pretty crazy considering that he's only 19, would be a sophomore in college right now. Um, so, I mean, offensively, he's one of the more advanced players I've ever seen for a rookie. Uh, you know, he's already broken, continues, like, starting to break a lot of, uh, you know, scoring records for rookies and teenagers at this point. And I, I'm guessing he'll do that throughout the year. Uh, he's also, he can move a little bit better on the offensive end, uh, as far as like getting up and down the court than I thought he could, uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you've seen, there's been a few plays where he's actually, you know, went coast to coast with the ball and let a fast break, uh, and he's gotten up and down the court for a couple, you know, putbacks and follows, which is something that he struggled with in college. So it's nice to see him get up and down the court, but, uh, you know, there's definitely concerns about him on the defensive end, uh, you know, as advertised, he's. You know, he's always seems to be slightly slow on, like, rotations and kind of slow to get over to, you know, on a health defensive play, which is, you know, for a center, something that's very important. So there's obviously definitely concerns on that end. 
But, uh, you know, overall with Jalil so far, I would definitely say that uh, I think the good um, outweighs the bad. And he's, you know, definitely shown signs as being, you know, a potential, really a dominant post player in, you know, in what today is something that's so rare. It could really be a huge advantage for the Sixers down the road. Yeah, and, you know, not a great shooting night the other night for him, just 9 of 25 from the field. Um, You know, definitely something that he's looking to work on uh, moving throughout the season. It seemed like, you know, he started off great there, almost, uh, you know, over 50% from the field. And people are kind of knocking his rebounding a little bit. Uh, You know, the the rookie ladder on NBA.com had him ranked second, to Carl Anthony Towns based on the fact that he hadn't really shown that rebounding prowess. Um, but after, you know, that 15 rebound performance against the Bulls, I think that might bump him up a little higher there. He comes in number four on, on CBS Sports uh, NBA rookie ranking. Um, you know, just overall, he's been as advertised offensively like we talked about. Um, maybe defensively, he – you know, needs to work on some things, but so does every rookie in this league. I mean, defense is one of the things that you can kind of teach a player, whereas offense is one of those those things that, you know, it's harder to teach over the years. And, um, you know, the fact that he has that mastered at this point is great. And, you know, another rookie has also been showing just a phenomenal start to the season for this team. Um, you know, how about T.J. McConnell's emergence as a starting point guard? As I put on Twitter, you know, he registered the third most assist ever behind John Wall and Jamal Tinsley in his first four NBA games. He's averaging 5.6 points, 7.6 assists, and 4.7 rebounds right now. And he's really balanced this offense out a little bit when he's out on the court. Um at this point, even when Kendall Marshall and Tony Roden return, do you feel like this is his spot to lose in the uh, the starting lineup? First of all, shout out to Jamal Tinsley. That's a, a player I haven't thought about in a little <laughs> while. Good call. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely been very pleasantly surprised with McConnell. Uh, you know, he's a guy that I, I was, you know, not – I was on even on this show. I didn't, didn't think he had a really a legitimate shot to – you know, make the roster. He impressed me in the preseason. I, I think you and I were both on on record saying he was probably the most surprisingly impressive player for the Sixers in the preseason. But uh, you know, preseason it's is preseason. It doesn't necessarily always translate to the regular season. So I was I'm certainly surprised and you know happy for for him to see how well he's been playing. And uh, you know, it, it's clear to anyone watching the Sixers how much better the offense runs when uh, you know he's been the point guard in there running things instead of Isaiah Cannon or, uh, you know, anyone else that's been at the point guard position. Uh, you know, he's just nothing flashy, just like a really uh, fundamentally sound, solid point guard. Uh, you know, he looks for his own shot second, looks to set up guys first, which for guys like Okafor and Noel, uh, you know, that's something they love, a point guard that puts them in position. It's kind of, there's some plays that you watch with uh, McConnell and Noel that reminds you of sort of what um, Noel was able to do with Ish Smith last year, where they kind of were gelling off each other, and Noel ended up getting a lot of, uh, you know, open opportunities down by the rim where he didn't have to do much except really just catch the ball and go up and dunk it, which is, you know, obviously for him it's a, a benefit. So I, I think the players like playing with him, and he plays hard, which is, uh, you know, something obviously that the fans in locker room can appreciate. Uh, I don't know if he's a long-term starter, um, as you alluded to. Uh, uh, you know, I think he maybe 
maybe when the when they first get back, Roten and Marshall to ease them back, they'll keep McConnell in the lineup. I think eventually either one of them could potentially be better at you know just uh, like running the offense and orchestrating it than uh, TJ is, and I think he might even benefit from you know, a reduced role where he can come off the bench as a backup guard and, uh, you know, play some time with Noel and some of the reserves and play like maybe 20 minutes a game. But, you know, at the same time, uh, who's to say no? He's, you know, surprised us so far through the season and he hasn't done anything to make, you know, to to not deserve the spot or to lose it. But at the very worst, it's, uh, you know, his emergence is just nice for the depth of the point guard position that, you know, is something the Sixers have needed to address since they traded MCW last year. Yeah, and, you know, CBS Sports, I alluded to Jalil's, you know, fourth-place ranking on, on those rookie rankings today. They actually placed T.J. McConnell one spot ahead of uh, D'Angelo Russell on there at uh, spot number seven, um, D'Angelo Russell being number eight on the list. Uh, <laughs> how crazy is that to think that, you know, the guy we wanted all along at number three is currently one spot below in a, you know, rankings here um, for this undrafted Arizona point guard and TJ McConnell. Yeah. I don't think that's something any of us would have predicted, uh, you know, on the night of the draft, right before the Sixers or right before he was taken by the Lakers. Definitely. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's tough to judge Russell based just based off how crazy that, you know, the Lakers situation is. He's just straight up not playing, uh, you know, in fourth quarters and not really getting the opportunity that he would, would have in Philly. But, and, you know, obviously McConnell's benefiting from that opportunity. But, you know, at this point, it, you can't even really be too upset with it, with how it turned out. Um, you know, Okafor obviously looks like he's going to be a stud, and McConnell is, you know, surpassed all expectations as a, uh, you know, legitimate NBA point guard. Once again, this is the 76ers Report. I'm your host, Jeff McManaman, alongside Michael Kasky, Blumain. And uh, Nerland Noel is, you know, out tonight. He reportedly can't even hold a basketball in his right hand. Uh, Robert Covington is still out with an MCL sprain, and it was just announced that Rashawn Holmes apparently pulled his hamstring in warm-ups and will sit tonight. Um, you know, will this team ever be healthy here, Mike? And just, you know, how frustrating is it for <laughs> another game here without a few of your key pieces? <laughs> that's that's a great question. It seems like they haven't been fully healthy in years and years. Uh, you know, it's it is it's definitely tough. From you know both, it's tough from a fan perspective. Obviously, people that are going to the games that want to you know at least see a solid competition and see some of the Sixers young guys playing. And it's hard from you know our perspective, from an analyst perspective, to really get a you know a, a feel for the team and some of the guys when you know half of the some of the key players just can't stay out on the court. You know, it's really tough to judge how good Okafor is playing when you know he's playing with some you know, like not high caliber players around him. And he's like a clear focal point as opposed to when he's out there with other guys like Covington and Noel that are, you know, other potential options. So, I mean, it's definitely tough from that perspective. And especially, you know, with depth too, uh, you know, if, if home, with obviously with Holmes out and Noel uh, the, and Covington all out, the front court's thin, which, you know, just makes it tougher on the, the team as a whole, which, Obviously, when you're already kind of outmatched by a lot of teams and you're going against a team like the Raptors, who are, you know, one of the better teams in the conference, it doesn't bode well for the uh, 
for the outcome. So, you know, already going into the game, not to, there's always a chance, but it just seems like there's a, you know, it's set up perfectly to be another one of those nights. You know, Okafor, I'm sure, will get his numbers. But, uh, you know, you just don't know if the Sixers really have the depth to match, uh, you know, a team like the Raptors. And the Raptors, you know, one of those surprise teams, well, not too surprising, but, you know, started off the season 5-0. and They've dropped three straight here, including, you know, one to the Knicks uh, last night, which is, you know, kind of surprising there. But, um, yeah, going back to Noel's injury, uh, I'm sure you, you saw the play and, you know, Jason Smith kind of elbowing him in the chest there. Of course, things come back to Jason Smith, one of the, you know, players that haunt my dreams in terms of former Sixers players there. But, you know, elbows Nerland's in, in the, the chest there. Nerland's does somewhat of a retaliation, kind of slaps him in the back of the head, gets ejected from the game, um, you know, is seen heading to the locker room, kind of pounding his fists on, you know, chairs on the, the wall um, towards the locker room there. Um, what did you think about that that call on their lens, and what did you think of his reaction to it? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely the most emotion I've seen out of Noel, uh, you know, so far since he's been with the Sixers on the court. Uh, you know, he's been a little more fired up recently, you know, trying to be more of a vocal team leader. Uh, that's not necessarily the best way to do it. I was kind of surprised they got him tossed, you know, obviously a flagrant, it, it could have been with the retaliation, but, um, you know, it, it's still, he has to realize, and it's, you know, something that comes with being a young player, but it's still, you know, super early in the season in a, you know, a regular season game in early November, uh, you know, it's not necessarily worth, you know, getting hurt, getting out, thrown out of a game, potentially suspended and potentially hurt. You know, if some of these reports are true that I'm sure you've been reading, uh, too, uh, you know, I just want to, it'll serve as a learning experience for him. Definitely. Uh, you know, no matter what, if a player likes a call or not, once the team is good, you know, if a situation like that in a crucial game comes up, he, you know, he could really end up jeopardizing the team if, you know, if he's unable to keep himself in check. But, uh, you know, overall, I did, I didn't think it was the, you know, the greatest call I thought it could have went, maybe like a double T and, uh, you know, flagrant one on uh, Nerlens. But, you know, the ejection happened, and then as much as, you know, I like Nerlens, and I think, he, you know, he's still a young developing player, the way he handled it wasn't necessarily the best. Uh, what, what did you think about the whole situation? Yeah, I mean, I don't think the ejection was warranted. I think, yeah, double technical, like like you just said, that would have been, you know, a better way to go about it, especially in a close game like it was at the time. And, uh, you know, if anyone was going to be ejected for that play, I felt like it was Jason Smith. He just came down, threw an elbow straight to his chest. And, um, you know, I, I thought the retaliation by, by Noel was definitely – more of a young player, um, not really being in that situation before where, you know, you're singled out like that. And without a doubt, the most emotion I've, you know, ever seen from Noel on the court. Um, I had a friend who was down there. I didn't make it down there, but he said he could hear Noel's actual, you know, punch to the wall there leaving from his seat. Um, That's how loud it was. And it kind of echoed through the stadium and you've got to believe, you know, that was the reason for his wrist injury. <laughs> I mean, w- without question, that's uh, why his wrist is swollen right now. And, you know, uh, he's supposed to get back on the court Friday against the Thunder. 
and yeah, hopefully he uses this as a learning experience and he realizes that, you know, players will come after him. You know, he is the face of the franchise, um, along with Jalil for obviously, but um, players are going to go after him. You know, they're the key to this team um, until, you know, the team gets more balanced and, you know, where it stands, if you can attack the leader like that, then, you know, the, re- the retaliation like that is not out of the question. Um, but, you know, some more news out of the Sixers tonight is that Kendall Marshall and Tony Roden are being assigned to the Delaware 87ers for rehab purposes. Neither are expected to play in any games for them, just more of the rehab process, not being on the roster. Um, they'll, you know, show up for practices, workouts, things like that, get back into shape. Um, you know, how different will this team be just upon either of their return at this point? Yeah, I honestly think it'll be infinitely different. You know, it's, it's, it might sound optimistic, but I really think the, uh, you know, once a couple of these guys return that have been on the sideline, it'll make all the difference just switching as far as the depth uh, that the team has. You know, I feel like the drop-off in talent might not be as big and some guys won't be relied on as heavily uh, you know, as they're currently being, especially, you know, at, at the point guard position. Now, Brett Brown has basically admitted that Isaiah Cannon is not, not an NBA point guard, you know, in uh, so many words, basically saying that uh, he thinks he's best suited for an uh, off-ball role coming off the bench, which is what he's been doing for the past, uh, you know, handful of games, which basically leaves TJ McConnell as the only true point guard so far. You know, they've had Jakar bring the ball up sometimes. Nick Stauskas has uh, even brought the ball up a few times. But when you can bring either of those guys back in Roten or Marshall, who are both, you know, they they have an NBA, you know, skill set at the point guard position. Uh, you know, Roten slightly, obviously, more offensive minded. Marshall is a guy that can, uh, you know, execute an offense more and really get the, you know, all of the teammates involved. Once you get one of those guys back, and then you know, as well as McConnell's been playing, that we both said if he if he gets bumped to the bench, then you bring that, you know that in, then there just isn't the drop-off in production that I think we've been seeing so far. And the same with the wing positions. You know, Jakar has been struggling to start the season a little bit. Hollis hasn't, you know, really jumped off the off the screen or off the court. And, uh, you know, I think when Covington comes back and they can really – him and Nick can really get a rhythm together around Okafor, I think that'll make everyone's job easier. Uh, you know, there'll be a little bit less pressure on Jakar to do – his role will be more well-defined. The same with Hollis. I think everything will just fall in place a little more. Not that uh, you know, not that uh, wins are going to start piling up or anything like that, but it's kind of it's really unfair to, or at least difficult to judge the team tr- truly until those guys come back and start playing together. And I think that's when uh, you know, we'll start seeing some wins and at least some more exciting and close basketball. And hopefully Covington at that point too. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to make a decision when those two come back to cut one of the players on the roster currently. I mean, you would think that they would just cut Phil Pressey, but, um, you know, it, it's an interesting debate at least uh, between Cannon and Phil Pressey, who you would cut in that situation. I mean, like we talked about, Cannon isn't really a point guard, um, plays more like that scoring shooting guard role, which – Tony Roden, when he comes back, could easily do. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, Isaiah Cannon has a much better shot than Tony Roden. Obviously, he's a much better three-point threat than Tony Roden. But 
the question must be asked. I mean, if you have a duplicate player like Isaiah Cannon with Tony Rudin coming back on the roster, wouldn't it make more sense, I guess, to keep Phil Pressey, who's more of that true point guard, and he could be that maybe like third backup point guard on the team? It depends. I mean, it's definitely a good question. There's a chance. I mean, honestly, Isaiah Cannon has made it on the Sixers this far for one reason. Uh, you know, and I think if it came down to him and Pressy, that same reason, his ability to shoot might keep him around a little longer. Uh, you know, as a second unit guy that comes off the bench, and, you know, if they have either Noel or Okafor still in, you know, spread around the perimeter. Uh, you know, especially if they if Kendall Marshall, let's say he's starting point guard and McConnell's the the backup, two deck two guys that are both capable of running the offense and both better than you know uh, Phil Pressy, they might want to keep uh, Cannon around for this wing depth at the shooting guard position, maybe to back up you know for Rowan or uh, you know Stauskas or whoever just to come in and be able to spread the floor. But uh, you know, definitely, I I totally agree that it'll come down to one of those two. Um, you know, they're not going to be on the season for for the long haul. But uh, if I had to guess right now, I would say I think Cannon makes it again. Honestly, strictly for his ability to spread the floor, and uh, you know, if he's backing up a guy like Nick Stauskas at the shooting guard spot, you can kind of sub Cannon and not and still run similar concepts because he has the same ability to you know kind of spread the floor and shoot. So I think that, you know, the team definitely values that in him. Obviously, by you know, they brought him back this year. He made it through summer league training camp and, uh, you know, preseason, and he's still on the roster for, uh, you know, obviously some reason. So I think that, you know, Phil Pressey, he's been okay, but, I, you know, he doesn't have a skill set that's not, you know, I don't think he's pretty easily replaceable at this point. So if I had to guess, I would say Cannon, was, um, you know, would be the guy that stays and Pressey goes, but it could definitely change. The Sixers are going on in five minutes here, but uh, we still got a little more to talk about. Um, so Christian Wood, the feel-good story of, you know, preseason here, uh, got the most minutes so far of the NBA season, um, and he really made the most of it against the Bulls, nine points and eight rebounds in 22 minutes, uh, four of 10 from the field. Um, you know, with, Nerlens being out and uh, Rashawn Holmes, he should see a lot of minutes tonight again. Um, you know, what did you like uh, from Christian Holmes, uh, sorry, Christian Wood in uh, that last game against the Bulls? Uh, mainly, I, I just thought he made the most of his opportunity. You know, like you said, it was his best game with nine points. He also had eight rebounds. Um, by far his most minutes of the game, played 22 total. Uh, you know, so He's definitely raw and young, um, obviously, but, you know, he plays hard, and I, I just thought his ability to kind of stand up to some of the Bulls, you know, the Bulls have one of the more well-established and respected front courts in the league. It goes, you know, four deep with uh, Noah and Gibson coming off the bench behind Gasol and Miritich. So, I, you know, I thought against, a, you know, definitely a form, formidable front court, uh, he, he kind of just stood his ground, which is something that I haven't hadn't really got the opportunity to see him do much at all the season is based off the fact that he hasn't played more than, you know, a handful of minutes in any other time. So, you know, it was definitely, uh, I thought it was promising to see him kind of step up, you know, step, step, be the next man to step up and make the most out of his opportunity. Um, what about you? Do you see similar things? Yeah, I really like this hustle out there. I mean, he was following up shots, um, really just being aggressive against, you know, Taj Gibson, who, is obviously one of the more aggressive, you know, big men in the league. 
and, you know, Pagasol as well. It was, you know, a, a good thing to see just, you know, how thin his frame is. He still went up there and, and fought and held his own and, uh, you know, made the most of his minutes as we talked about. Uh, whether or not, you know, he can put another performance like that on tonight, uh, we'll see. But um, I really like, uh, you know, the, the decision to keep him on the roster. You can see how valuable he can potentially be. Um, you know, they took a risk, but it, it seems like it might pay off. He just needs to, you know, hit the weight room kind of like Nerland Noel has done, you know, over the past two years now. And, um, you know, I think he'll learn from every opportunity he has on the court. And I think Brett Brown is the right teacher for him. Um, and, I, I mean, in terms of the, the team as a whole, it, it's kind of been – much of the same uh, from last season. Um, they're trying to win games through defense uh, first, but, you know, there's a lot to be desired in the scoring department. Um, they're just averaging 91.4 points per game as a team, and, uh, you know, only two teams are lower than that in the NBA currently, and, you know, they're they're going to need to do something in the scoring department. Obviously, you'd think when, when Tony Rudin comes back, that, that'll balance out some of the scoring. Um, but do you feel like the team might need to, you know, look towards maybe another player at, at the, the deadline, um, maybe like a, a scoring two guard to help this team out, or, or do you think that – it's kind of a wait and see approach and it's better off to kind of hold out for, for the off season and the draft. Yeah. I'm guessing the latter, you know, I just don't think that they're really going to do make any, you know, at least any like legitimate roster moves until the off season after the draft and when free agency opens and, you know, once the new cap space sets in with the, uh, you know, the new, agreement and TV money coming in, uh, they might look to may, maybe potentially move, do something like similar that they've done at the trade deadline the past couple of years with potentially move an asset and, and a guy like Roten, like you mentioned, and try to get something back for him. But uh, as far as any type of move that would get, a, you know, a potentially like legitimate starting caliber uh, two guard, I just, you know, I really think that next summer there's going to be so much going on with the team as far as, you know, potentially MB coming back, Sarich coming over and all the draft picks plus, you know, free agency in general then when they might actually be looking to add talent. Uh, you know, I think that's that's probably the earliest time they'll really add any legitimate players. Um, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, they, they've they had a wait-and-see approach this whole process, so um, I don't see them kind of going after anything there. I, I do think it's a cause for concern. Obviously, you you would hope that Stauskas can become a more reliable, you know, shooter and scorer there at, at the two. Um, you hope that, you know, Robert Cumming, Covington comes back at 100% and can provide some scoring there. You hope that Tony Roden can come back and provide some scoring. So there's definitely some, some options there, um, you know, for the team currently. But, you know, <laughs> It, it just it's hard to watch when I guess your offense is relying on on one player. Um, really, Jalil Okafor has been the only reliable scorer so far on the team, and um, you know it, it hasn't been pretty 
on the offensive side of the ball. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I mean, defensively, they've definitely kind of taken a step back from last season so far. But I think, you know, things will start to come together when players get healthy. And, um, you know, there's no rush to, to really add anyone in a trade or, or anything like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, outside of just the season and, um, you know, everything that's happened so far, there's also been some more entertaining stories uh, surrounding the Sixers. One of them um, came out that Josh Harris actually stopped a, a youth soccer game yesterday um, by landing his, his helicopter on their playing field. Um, and another one was, the World Series of Poker champion was rocking an Allen Iverson jersey uh, for his win yesterday as well. Uh, just uh, did you get to see those stories and, and what do you think of them? Yeah, I did. I saw both of them. Uh, first of all, good for that dude winning the World Series of Poker in an Iverson jersey because he got them cash now, which is pretty sweet. And uh, the Josh Harris story just really made me laugh. Uh, I mean, that's, it seems like like something that you would almost see in like a movie, like a stereotypical thing of like a wealthy billionaire owner of a company just going to land his like private helicopter in like the middle of a kid's soccer game and make them all wait. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that, that was the first thing I kind of thought of, but you know, I didn't, I didn't really read past too much of the headline of that. I just kind of got the gist of it, but you know, it's definitely kind of entertaining at least. And, uh, gave me a good laugh to kind of took the, uh, you know, the focus off, off like on court of the team for like a little bit. Yeah, that kind of, you know, brings me back to Space Jam when Michael Jordan, you know, brings the spaceship to the baseball game and everyone kind of turns their head as he comes out of that for the game. Um, <laughs> it nice. definitely was not like that for this good soccer game because it, it couldn't even happen because of him. But, um, yeah, I, I just thought that was funny. And, yeah, props to the guy rocking the Iverson jersey, World Series of Poker. I mean, I think everyone remembers that that O one Sixers team and and those awesome you know black jerseys that they wore in uh, in Game One of the Finals. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's it for today's show. Uh, once again, this was the Seventy Sixers Report. I'm your host Jeff McMenamin, alongside Michael Caskey, Blue Maine. Follow us on the app Stitcher. I hope you're. Uh, you know, catching the game tonight, it it probably won't be, you know, the best Sixers game you've ever watched. There's a lot of injuries, but, uh, you know, enjoy the rest of the game this week. Should be a fun one against the Thunder on Friday. But uh, for Jeff and Mike, uh, we'll catch you next time. Man, it was real cool in the school if we got good grades. I straight up A's. The parents would take us to a 76 game. I got my game and there ain't no shame. Big shots of Mo Cheeks and Moses Malone. Julius Serva called Philly is home. Bobby Jones, Daryl Dawkins, and Tony sinking threes. Rocky Bobo will come from South Philly. But if you want to make it on time to the show, there's only one role that you really have to know. So get to Fishtown without all that job. I suggest that you drive on I-95. Want to get downtown but fit in the fix. Get on that road, they call 676, the most expensive, expensive piece of business they've ever made. The fellas ain't paying, but they got good game. Getting on, getting on, 76ers. Travel by me, this Larry Bird. Getting on, 76ers. Travel by me, 